evening. You are listening to the Yena podcast. It is September the 20th and joining me this evening, I have Bronwyn. Hey, hey. And Mark. Hi. Mark is wearing a birthday hat because (laughs) it's Mark's birthday. It is. It is my birthday today on the podcast recording date. Isn't that fun? Mm. Isn't that sad? Now, on the island of Silly, do they do silly things like give you birthday bumps uh, to celebrate every year you're older? Or what's their uh, sort of celebration du jour? I don't know. The whole of England does birthday bumps, and they do seem quite mean as an adult looking back on them. Um, no, the Sillies' big thing is they have the May Day Festival. You know, the movie Midsummer where they do the dancing around the Maypole and it looks li- really creepy. Or, or maybe for the older people in the audience, the Wicker Man. Uh, yeah. OK, good call. Good call. Uh, yeah. So we do that every summer. Um, as, as a kid, I used to dress in all white and I used to hold a staff that had flowers in it including an arum lily in the middle and then we used to kind of march around a bit and then dance around the maypole did any Mm -hmm. policemen go missing missing during those festivities or i don't think so i don't Um, think we've ever lost a policeman on the islands yet (laughs) but eventually it's bound to happen right the sillies are probably going to go crazy eventually long enough timeline (laughs) i know nothing of this movie oh my god craig which one, The Wicker Man or Midsummer? Midsummer. Oh, okay. you have oh, to fine. watch it. It's great. It's a fantastic <laughs> film, but I mean, I thought you were saying you didn't know anything about The Wicker Man, and my heart nearly stopped. I, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen that. Yeah. I've so, never watched The Wicker Man. I know what it is, but I've never watched it. Hmm. Oh, it, God, that they, stare, Bronwyn. I'm I, sorry. <laughs> God, you so, also you, you revealed you've never seen Rocky Horror Picture Show either. No, or the Lion part of King. Our deep I know conversations on our road trip that we had. <laughs> so, well, I've I've never seen the Lion King, um, and <laughs> and until recently, I hadn't seen Footloose. I've never seen Footloose. Oh gosh, okay. this this is confession time, isn't it? <laughs> well, there's a bit of a funny bit of a funny story about Footloose for me because I hadn't realised they remade it. Um, a few years ago and so I started watching it and I thought mm, these these this video looks pretty good for a 1980s movie and um, I thought uh, I don't recognize any of the characters and then it got about 10 minutes into the film and uh, the main character pulled out an iPod and I thought wait a minute <laughs> this isn't the right version it took you God. 10 minutes that is impressive this sounds like a re- like a new honeychurch.org project. You know, people suggest movies and you have to confirm whether or not you've seen them. And then you create a list of all the films you haven't seen. Oh, like the seminal movies you really should have seen that you haven't. Kind of guilty yeah. secret style. <laughs> but from Mark Honeychurch. <laughs> right. Given, given you have this whole collection of like movie memorabilia. Yeah. Um, but I, honestly, for some of these, at least, I think I'd be proud that I haven't seen some of these very popular movies. I, I don't feel the need to watch The Lion King. I'm sure it's great, but it doesn't seem like my kind of thing. Mm. So it's your birthday, and uh, I know they've been having a bit of a ceremony in the UK today. Was that nothing to do with your birthday? <laughs> Are we going to try and explain now that the Queen dying is a birthday present for me? Is, is that where we're going with this? That's quite dark. 
No, I, I have been talking to you guys today about the birthday present I did get, which was my favorite Catholic stalker, Paul, who emailed me to start an argument today. He didn't realize it was my birthday. Um, it was just a lucky coincidence. So I've been trying to have an argument with a... Um, a Catholic who I've met in person a couple of times. He's really nice in person, but he's an angry man when he's in front of a keyboard. And he's just <laughs> been getting more and more insulting as the day's gone on. And you know me, I kind of enjoy that. So it, it's made my day really nice arguing with a Catholic all day. And um, did he reply from my suggested question? I didn't end up using your suggested question. I, I, it's like nailing jelly to a wall. But what I've been saying to him is, look, you keep throwing a lot of points at me. Let's just pick one, the most foundational one. Let's argue that and then let's build up from it. And I just can't even get him to do that. So with 23 emails in and he's finally given in because I'm not I'm just not putting up with this scattergun approach of throwing everything at me. So he says he's going to regroup and come back later. I don't know how long I've scared him away for. Maybe God will give him some good arguments. <laughs> and we all know the answer to that one uh, there, Craig. <laughs> I'd like to keep sure. an open mind. <laughs> Is there evidence for that there, uh, Craig? Well, me keeping an open mind. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So um, I um, I had some guests at my place last weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you? Who, who visited? <laughs> to, oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> It was us. <laughs> we visited. You cut me off at my description. Oh, go on, go on. Just describe these Do people. Sorry. From no, 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 no. You'd probably better to cut me off. <laughs> uh, I, I drove down to Hamilton to meet the two of you, and uh, that was at the Mormon Temple, or as it's more formally known, the... Uh, what is it? The the Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. I think is it. Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah. Though ah. we more colloquially know them as the Mormons. Yes, the Jesus, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Right. Okay. Yes. Yes, you are right. Um, so, how did we find the experience? Wow. Well, <laughs> I mean, first of all, you know, there was a bit of drama about when we were going to go because um, I was the person in charge of booking the tickets. And, you know, you don't want to lose work time and you don't want to travel up on a weekend or on a Friday. But the Saturday tickets had been booked. Um, so we were able to get a spot, a 15 minute spot on the Friday afternoon, like, say, 245 to three o'clock. Um, and so that sort of was the <laughs> impetus of uh, Mark and I's uh, grand old road trip and until you had offered a space at your place it was going to be a, you know a an up and down trip 12 straight hours in the car mark and i forever <laughs> and ever hey why is it not with bronwyn why is it with mark why am i the punishment actually i probably know why i'm the punishment okay fair enough <laughs> I ended up arriving about half past two with the expectation that we would walk in at quarter to three and do the tour, but uh, it wasn't quite like that, was it? No, it was a bit of a wait, but I mean, it was an orderly late. They would sort of move us around in sort of sets of uh, packs or maybe Mm. packs of uh, 10 or 15, and uh, eventually we got in there. But I guess maybe the most um, striking thing for the three of us is that we were the only three who were wearing masks in this entire tent of maybe a um, hundred or so people. 
Mm. And it seemed fairly well organized from the perspective that they had like a big tent, which um, butted onto the back of the temple. And, um, you know, the, the, I was just impressed with the staff that were there moving us around how orderly and professional they were. And then as we were going in, we got to wear little booties, which I felt a little bit bad about. They had maybe half a dozen uh, younger Mormon members who basically had to put those little kind of over booties on our shoes so that we didn't ruin the nice carpet when we went in. And I had that thought of, you know, Jesus washing people's feet. And it's it's something of a, I guess, a privilege to be washing someone's feet. But it still made me feel bad that you know, I could do it perfectly well myself, but maybe it was more a speed thing. Maybe they just wanted to get it done quickly. So they did it for us. Yeah. I can imagine that some people might not have been as competent as you at putting on the little booties. Mm. <laughs> and it was also kind of interesting because, you know, despite getting these tickets, no one checked ours at no. all. No one asked to see it. No one asked to scan. It was just, oh, you're here. You sit here. And you, they just kept us moving it along. And I mean, I think there was a good 15, 20 minutes when there was nobody who was going to be coming after us, even though the tour having was going to continue on for a little while longer. Who knows yeah, maybe the tickets, maybe the tickets were an idea they had at the start and then they realized, I mean, it'd been open for what, three weeks or something, hadn't it? So I mm. guess maybe they'd become a bit more organized about how things would work after that time and decided they didn't actually need to check people's tickets and, yeah. and that the filtering people through that big tent at the rear was enough of a sort of a, uh, a mechanism to, to prevent uh, chaos, I suppose. So when we got in, I guess it was a, it was a fairly low key entrance, right? Because we were going in through the back and not through the large front entrance. It was it was just a small room, but given that they just refurbished and the place hasn't been rededicated yet, and that's why they're able to keep it open to the public. It, it all looked pretty smart, even that little room at the beginning. But I think one of the first things I was struck by was just how many Mormons they had inside there guarding pretty much every single door to make sure that people only followed their tour guide in the prescribed route and nobody skipped a bit or tried, I guess, going off to look for secret rooms, which I would have been tempted to do, to be quite honest. <laughs> but I don't think, I mean, you know, on the, it's like we kind of agreed that it was a reverse TARDIS sort of design, you know, mm. it looked bigger on the outside than it was on the in. And I think when we, when you got through later on in the tour, you see the same people who are guarding the doors and you realize, oh, this isn't a new room. This is just the other side of the, of the hallway or the room that you were just in. So there was lots of sort of thoroughfare that you could follow through. Mm, it was a bit of a bit of a labyrinth really, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. So I imagine if they had, if the temple because when you see it from the outside, it's big. But I imagine if they had made it just one large room, like a cathedral or something, it definitely would have felt spacious, high ceilings, etc. But it's several floors of smaller rooms with lots of interconnecting corridors. And I, I guess because of that, they've kind of lost a lot of real estate. Mm. Mm. But, but maybe we should sort of talk about the tour in terms of, you know, the order that we went through all these rooms. Because, we, you know, yep. as you say, we sort of started at the back entrance. Um, we started in their little reception area. They talked about how in order to enter the building, you need a temple recommend or temple recommend card. And then they sort of led us towards the baptismal font. And while we passed by the pat baptismal font, we sort of went by their, um a little bit of a mini locker room where people could pick up their baptismal gowns. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we sort of you were we were sort of sharing stories of things that we heard about people who went through this baptism process. Mm -hmm. I think, Mark, you knew somebody. 
Yeah. So I've got a Samoan friend who um, I, I think he's pretty much ex-Mormon now. He drinks enough that the Mormons probably don't want him anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, when he was younger as a kid, a Mormon kid, he used to be um, baptized as a way to make money. And, and this is part of the thing that I'm sure a lot of our listeners know the Mormons do, which is that they do posthumous um, baptisms that basically one of the reasons why they're very interested in family trees is because they're trying to baptize pretty much everybody that's ever lived. And they do this by proxy. They kind of assign the name of someone dead to someone living who then goes and has a full immersion baptism. Uh, and then they move on. And so my friend said that he was paid $5 a time to do this and that it was like, like a little factory line of a weekend. He'd just go around in circles, him and his friends getting baptized with one name and then being assigned another name and going back again after a while and doing it again. Yeah. And apparently it was a, a nice little earner for him. Yeah. Cause I mean, <laughs> you know, if it was at $5 a dunk, you know, you get dunked four times an hour and you're kind of making equivalent to, you know, minimum wage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I, I think he did pretty well out of it. Mm. So and, I, wonder, I wonder how they think it works, though. I mean, how, how is it that somebody can stand in for somebody else to be baptized, to be, to be dunked under the water? Is this just I mean, I, how does I, it work? I think Mormonism has a lot of stuff that's very different to uh, other Christian sects. But, you know, we had a conversation just to jump forward. Apologies, everybody. We the three of us did talk to a couple of sister missionaries later on, and they talked to us about how what's meant. I think it was the, those two that were talking about it, that they basically get asked. Um, so the dead person gets asked if they're willing to accept. Um, yeah, that, was, that was in the movie. Oh, was it, it was in the movie yeah, that they they were at. Okay, yes. So basically, pe people get asked, "Do you accept the baptism by proxy?" And I guess by that point, you're you're in purgatory or something, and you know you're you're pretty aware that God is real. Um, I can't see anybody saying no to it at that point, except for maybe some really ardent atheists who are just having none of it. It's like, well, if that's God, I'm not interested. I'd rather go to hell. Or, or people that didn't want to actually spend eternity with their family that they didn't enjoy the company <laughs> when they were alive. Yes, because that was part of the promise, wasn't it? That there's a big thing that we heard about it reuniting families, that people are um, kind of connected together so that families can stay together. And I believe, I've, I've talked to Mormons about this, that have said they're not sure, but I believe part of the teaching is that every family gets their own planet. Um, and it's kind of weird that a planet is a thing that God gives you as far as the Mormon church is concerned. But yeah, yeah I mean, you know, with a whole planet to your family, you could probably move quite far away and keep your sanity. Um, now, if anyone wants to sort of have a visualization of what this place looks like, um, unfortunately, um, both Craig and I were equally disappointed by the fact that they wouldn't have let they wouldn't let um, photography inside the temple, only outside. But for what it's worth, the photographs that you may see of this Hamilton temple in the news, pretty much spot on. Um, high quality images, you know, there were no surprises. Um, uh, speaking of which, then, the, the first room, the baptismal font, it's quite a sight, isn't it? Mm, really impressive. And we were looking at it from kind of one floor up. So it's kind of a, I guess it's it, it's a level down and there's like a balcony all the way around that we came in from looking down on it. And it's a it's a kind of fairly large um, like paddling pool. Well, deeper than a paddling pool. It's a fancy and it, spa pool. 
it even could you see the water coming up from the bottom i was actually that might be quite relaxing as long as it's warm i'm hoping they warm it but if they do i can imagine you could chill out for a while in that but yeah so it's resting on the back of 12 golden cows right which is it's an impressive photograph to see and it also very impressive to see in person but for me, I was so they explained it as the 12 tribes of Israel. For me, the first thing I was thinking was, you know, the golden calf and worshipping idols. It's just got that imagery to it. That's like, <laughs> ah. and I think this repeated as we went round. you know, a lot of it's like, would Jesus approve of this? You know, there's a there's a lot of gold and a lot of trying to make the place look opulent chandeliers everywhere. It, yeah. it just doesn't strike me as the kind of thing Jesus if he was a real deity, would ever be interested in. <laughs> now, one thing they didn't make clear when they took, when our tour guide took us through the baptismal font is that that particular font is only used for posthumous um, baptisms. If you are a living person and you're being baptized or your children are being baptized, then you just go to the rinky-dink um, regular LDS church um, <laughs> a couple of kilometers away. Um, the temples for very, very special things. Yeah, but... I I wondered though that that church that they've got a couple of kilometers away maybe they're not going to maybe most of the services are now going to happen at the temple. Do you think? Now that no. refurbished it, no? no, the temple's not set up for it. Right, there's no main room that you could hold a sizable congregation. At least none that we saw. Unless um, I mean, I mean, the whole place was a compound, and we kind of like overlooked that. You have your big temple, then you have this. A sign building that seems to have had a statue in it that people can go and look at. Then you have a more social building, which is like the local stake. So that's sort of their cultural um, administrative activity building. And then they have a museum. And then surrounding this is lots of farmland, but also lots of LDS houses. So I guess places where missionaries are staying. Um, mm. So it's a really impressive facility. Um but definitely the whole idea when you went when we went through the all these ceiling rooms, like they had particular rooms for weddings, particular rooms for um, for sealing children to their parents. Um, you know, it also it was all really small, nothing that mm. would actually handle maybe a congregation of 100, 200 people. It certainly did seem to be a sort of special purpose facility, didn't it? Yeah. So the ceiling, the ceiling is an interesting concept, isn't it? It's, I mean, it's their their word for marriage. And so They've got yep. these rooms that are sort of maybe hold 50 people and there's people sort of sitting around the edges and then there's the the couple go and kneel down at the padded altar in the middle of the room and they put their hands across and they have their sealing ceremony and they're there together for eternity. But they also do something they also do that for children as well to you know sealing children to their parents. So there's smaller right. rooms for that. Um, but the, mm. I, I was really taken aback when they took us to the bride's room off the side of one of these ceiling rooms. And, you know, the whole place is, it's really pretty. It's really mm. dated. It looks like, you know, the nicest hotel in middle America in the 1950s. Um, but the idea of a bride's room and the placement of mirrors kind of make it, you know, you know, every time you look in these mirrors, it's like this infinity reflection, you know, like you're trapped here forever. You know, you're with us forever. You know, you're married forever. Um, you know, the idea of eternity is is a theme that's really, it, it permeates the space. Yeah. And, and I thought it was really interesting, the idea that we have the special bride rooms to remind the woman of how special she is. And it's like, special in what sense? Because we aren't really seeing women be leaders 
in the higher in the upper echelons of the of the Mormon hierarchy that I'm that I am aware of. You mm. know, it's the idea that you are special within your marriage because you have the special role to be a mother, um, to be a wife. You know, and that and, is and, and, and I wonder. Top. Yeah, I wonder if the concept of being together for eternity and the such a stigma that would be associated with actually breaking up actually enhances or, or diminishes the the value of the wife and the marriage. Yeah, I I mean part of that, you know, the the whole ceremony being fairly standardized by the looks of it. it it does seem like it takes away some specialness you don't get to choose how your wedding is it's very prescribed and uh, ju- just to clarify the ceiling room is s-e-a-l-i-n-g they are sealing two people to each other it's not the ceiling c-e-i-l-i-n-g although the ceilings were impressive as well uh, <laughs> they did point them out several times to us mm. uh, you yes, know it was all gilded kofi around the yes. ceiling so it had a, it had a maori it had a local it had a local flair yes indeed indeed yes a little cultural appropriation didn't hurt anybody <laughs> yeah it did <laughs> I mean, they also took us to the various dressing rooms because when you're in the temple, you don't wear your outside clothes. You have to wear the special gown or, um, you know, special boots or special slippers. So they showed Mm. us the women's changing room of all places. Um, It looked very industrial, didn't it? Yeah. It's like it's like a set of fitting rooms that you find at a department store. Mm. Well, not even that big. It was, uh, yeah, like <laughs> they were tiny pool. little places to change. It, 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 for me, um, the women's dressing room reminded me of a swimming pool, like, you know, um, you know, that place yeah. where you're just going into your stalls, you change your stuff and then you come out. Um, but I think the most impressive room in the entire facility was the celestial room. Yeah. And so then, that's, then it, that was meant to represent what it would be like in heaven. And mm. you can go in there and sit down on some plush seating and and look up at the ceiling. It was a very high ceiling room and a nice these sort of subtly decorated walls that had palm tree shapes on them. And uh, yeah, <sighs> again, like like Bronwyn was saying about the rest of the place, dated. You know, it the refurb has made it look clean, but mm. like a lot of wooden furniture just makes it feel like you've stepped back in time. And honestly, if that's heaven, I, I might actually pass in the end. When when I do get that offer of a baptism by proxy, I, I might say no, because, mm. yeah, I, I'm figuring hell's going to have some good furnishings, right? Uh, but I mean, well, they know, need to keep replacing it because they keep burning the furniture. So. <laughs> But, but as Mark mentioned earlier, this, you know, there's no room in this entire temple that is similar to the cathedrals or the parish settings that we're used to in Anglican or Catholic church. I think maybe the closest to it is the ordinance room. And they're kind of set up like more like mini cinemas, you know, and that's kind of where they will maybe get some education on religious topics. But it doesn't sound like it's quite like a full on Sunday sermon like we, you know, we may be more familiar with in terms of our um, Protestant background. Yeah. So there were two of those, right? That like side by side. Might have been more, actually. Oh, there might have been more elsewhere that we didn't see, but I think they were the only rooms that had pews. Everywhere else just had normal seats or even sofas. And I think all three of us kind of tried to give the comfy seats a go a couple of times and see what they were like. Mm. Um, But there were pews in those rooms and then a curtain at the front that was a little bit ominous. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it felt quite creepy, really, didn't it? These big, thick, long curtains and quite a narrow, narrow um, arch 
And uh, I imagine that when they got pulled back, there would have been a screen behind them. That the so there were there were projected lenses at the back of the room that uh, I would think were probably projecting onto the, a screen there. Yeah, and these rooms are used for instruction. What did you say they were, Bronwyn? Ordnance rooms. Ordnance rooms. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, hmm. these these are for instruction. So yeah, I I don't want to think of it as indoctrination, but the whole way it was set up, it almost felt like. You know, you'd be hypnotized and sat in front of a screen for two hours just being <laughs> fed the official party line on Mormonism. Yeah. So the, our tour guide was certainly a drunken Kool-Aid, didn't she? She was really nice. But, yeah, she she definitely was a total convert. She she was really trying to keep sweet, I have to say. Um, our tour group had several children in it. Um, and, you know, they were just not having you know, any of this quiet contemplation <laughs> that we were yeah, being because, offered. Because they are children, not because they yeah. were awful. They were just being children. children. But yeah. it just does not work well when you're trying to be reverent inside a temple that's or, opened for the first time in 64 or, years. Or, or the temple has wicked acoustics. <laughs> uh, yes. There was but, to be um, no no talking in the uh in that, that room except for the children who were young and couldn't stop talking. So yeah. Um, but now, Craig, you had sort of, we, because Mark and I had sort of shown up a little bit earlier, we had, had a bit more of an opportunity to have a bit of a poke around, mm. the, the poke, poke around the grounds. Um, and one of the places that we got to enjoy that you did not was the distribution center. And I think Mark <laughs> nearly died and went to atheist hell when oh. he found out that he could not buy his, the rest of his underwear set. It was horrible. So, yes, I think we talked two weeks ago about how I have the bottom half as, that was given to me as a birthday present of the special Mormon underwear, the temple garments. I don't have the top half. And Bronwyn, when we walked into that distribution center and I saw just rows and rows of Mormon underwear. Oh, I mean, to have it so close and yet know that I can't buy it because I need um, a card showing that I am a practicing Mormon. It was hor- I mean, like almost enough to make me shoplift. It's like mm-hmm. it's just literally within my reach. And yet I can't have it. Do you know how gutting this was? It is so gutting that I went on eBay today and I spent $90 ordering myself a Mormon top <laughs> to be delivered to me <laughs> to complete my outfit. I couldn't <laughs> not. It's just it was so horrible. Right. I know. Well, it's only 20 US dollars for the, the top. And then it's, you know, shipping's more than the actual garment's going to cost. Um, okay, is this, okay, is this your okay, birthday that's... present to yourself? Yeah, I think it must be. That's how I'm going to have to justify it to my wife, isn't it? Question. Question. Yep. Are they going to be, are they, are they the same blend? Because when we were in the distribution center, like that was a bit of a cultural sort of eye opener in and of itself, because not only do they have, you know, all these different sizes, men's and women's different, you know, different styles, obviously, because, you know, the men, the women aren't wearing the same clothes as the men you got to see different fabric types and the prices varied according yeah. to them. So, you know, you got a real sense that, you know, hey, there's nice temple clothes and then there's much nicer temple clothes and you can buy shoes to go with it, like match, you know, you're matching jandals. Yeah. OK, honestly, I I saw I think it's the same. I don't care that much because my choices <laughs> on eBay were this one in my size or women's tops. And I'm not wearing a woman's top because um, I'd be worried I might actually fill it out. All right. So, yeah, no, it's <laughs> it is about so what, all did, I had available. Did you did you find out what the prices were at the distribution center for these for the? No, um, I can't imagine that. 
they cost too much because they're they're white underwear. I mean, you're going to have to be throwing them away eventually, right? It's, you know, pure white underwear is a risk. And it's not just underwear. It's the temple garments. So it's, you know, it's the special shirts and the pants and the um, the gowns that the women wear. And as I said, mm. the shoes. So it's, you know, it's your whole outfit. Um, so, so the outfit I want is the missionary on their year or their two years. This is what I'm aiming for. And so now I've got the underwear. I can just put on like a short sleeve shirt and a pair of smart trousers and shoes. The one thing I'm missing now, and I don't know how to do this, is I need one of those name badges. I need an elder honey church of blah, blah, blah. And I don't know how I'm going to make one. Um, I, you know, if I'm faking it, I have to fake it well. And I'm not quite sure how to do that. So if any of our listeners have any idea how to make a realistic looking Mormon missionary badge, please get in contact. I think there's some cosplayers out in our audience who might be able to help you and appreciate the challenge. <laughs> Surely they are just those um, embossed, well, not embossed, but whatever the opposite of, yeah, embossing, but they're just an, an embossed. Um, Fort Micah kind of badge, yeah. aren't they? I think, I think it's like a, perple- a Perspex cover, or like, you know, you get the embossed badge and then there's like sort of a, a bubble mm. or something on top of that or plastic. Okay. So I, I think it's just bent over and it's like a large piece of black plastic and then the writing is in white. So I don't know whether they can engrave it in and then whether they fill it in with paint or whether it's just white underneath and when they engrave the white shows up but mm. yeah so it's kind of white lettering on black background yeah right but i mean even if you did have that badge the other thing you're missing is their youthful appearance <laughs> i can shave i that's not enough is it me shaving is not going to do it <laughs> but, you, you know you started your mission late in life yeah. yes thank you now, while Mark missed out on his purchasing dreams, I did get a chance to buy a couple of little magazines for less than three bucks. So I'm always sort of interested in how these groups um, try to sell it to the kids, try to be hit with the kids. And God, these magazines are cringeworthy. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Which one should I start with, Mark? Um, fun stop? Uh, I don't know. I, I think story. in the car on the way home, you started reading from them. And I think we laughed all the way until you stopped reading from them. <laughs> <laughs> they were full of gems. Um, maybe the pepper. Should we start off okay. with the pepper? Pepper precautions. All right. So this is under what's called a home evening object lesson. And it's like, what does it mean to be in the world, but not worldly? It requires a bowl, some water, black pepper, and liquid dish soap. Um, and as they say, we stand out as members of the church. For instance, we don't drink coffee or tea. We dress modestly. We have clean language and we live the law of chastity. But that doesn't mean that things of the world go away. Satan is doing everything in his power to tempt us and we have to keep our guard up. But how exactly do we protect ourselves? Let's learn by doing a little experiment with water, pepper, and soap. Grab your family and get ready for some fun. (laughs) So essentially, you know, you get a bowl of water, you shake pepper. They estimate specifically about 10 shakes of pepper. And the pepper represents the world and the things of the world, such as temptation, distraction, and sin. Hang on. Why why 10 shakes? Is it if it's more than 10 shakes, it's masturbation? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't specify. I think it might be implied. 
Um, but the All idea right, carry that, on. you know, the thing is that, you know, while you're shaking the pepper, you're having this, you know, serious chat with your family about the pepper. Um, yep. And then I think, you know, from then on, the pepper becomes, um, you know, a, you know um, means something else in your household. Um, so you dip your feet, finger in the center of the peppery water and it's like, oh, hey, look, notice how the pepper sticks and explain that, you know, this is like going into the world without knowledge of the gospel. And without that knowledge, it would be hard to know which choices are right and which choices are wrong. So then, there we go. So you quote one of the current presidents who says, in coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. And I was saying just before we started recording that to me at least, these presidents and other leaders of the church they look uncannily like Sith Lords. Um, <laughs> no, I was about to say, there's literally a section in this magazine, which is for teens, called Fun Stop. Now, in any other magazine or kids magazine, it meant, oh, hey, here's a fun place to do some puzzles. Oh, no, it's a picture of these three old dudes like they are the geriatric Spice Girls. And you're meant to mix and match <laughs> quotes from a conference that the teens would have attended with you know, the particular elder that they who said it, there's like about 10, 15 elders listed and they say some ridiculous things. What's my favorite? Oh, yeah. Today, let me share a discovery that happened because of a sample group of rabbits. Ooh. Oh, that's intriguing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So but going back to the pepper thing, the idea Hang is on, like, tell us about the rabbits. You can't leave it there. That's all it is. That's it. <laughs> what? To yeah. know the rest, you have to be a Mormon. <laughs> or you at least have to have like a copy of the 2021 comp general conference book and, you know, be well read to be able to do that match. So, yeah, the rabbits, you know, you're on tenterhooks here. What, what did the rabbits teach about Jesus? How did the rabbits know Jesus? Oh, God, what was a really, really good one about someone thinking they saw an angel? Ah, here's a good one. I thought for a moment she was an angel because she knew my name. I had not realized that a small card with my name on it had been placed on the lapel of my suit coat. <laughs> so ready to accept a supernatural answer. So ready to get married. <laughs> <laughs> that might also be it. But going back to pepper precautions, because this is a really important object lesson I think we should all share. But, you know, it's just about, you know, clean your hand, you know, coat it in a layer of dish soap. You pop that back into the peppery water and, oh, look, you know, the dish soap is the gospel and it repels all the temptations of the world. However, dish soap doesn't last forever. So, you know, you need to constantly be, you know, recommitting yourself to God and learning the gospel to protect yourself. So cheesy. It's oh, it matches, you know, it's almost up there with those um, those those crop, those buns I shared with the uh, marshmallow in the middle. Yeah, he has risen I, buns, but guess I, what? Because it's Halloween, they're now called Hocus Pocus buns. <laughs> I think for me, the the best part of that pepper one was the whole thing about being in the world but not of the world. It was just so cliched, and to hear it coming from the Mormons as well, it's like, oh, even they've drunk the Kool Aid of this one. Oh, but it's mm. it's an old it's an old evangelical Christian youth culture trope. I mean, I remember it sort of being to toted around when Coney 2012 was a big thing. You know, um, they were trying to say, hey, look, let's not be of the culture, but let's try to influence these culture makers. It was the same sort of vibe. It's been put out there right. and it's been there for decades. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I certainly heard about it in the 90s when I was a Christian. Yeah, it just never felt like a very good thing. And then there was a little museum. Now, Mark and I, we visited the museum a little bit earlier, and then you decided to have a second go with Craig. Mm. Yeah, I went round twice, which tells you just how exciting it was. Yeah, I'm not sure whether I'd rate it as highly exciting, but there was some interesting little bits. Um, one that was the uh, the map of the Pacific and just showing all the Pacific Islands and what the number of people in each of the in the church in the Mormon Church was at each of the Pacific Islands, and they've certainly got a lot of penetration into into the Pacific. It's certainly in New Zealand as well. Um, so we have about one hundred and fifteen thousand members in New Zealand, uh, mm. and Australia has about 150,000, and given that their population is about four or five times the size of ours, that's that's quite a, a difference in penetration, I guess. Yeah, and there's a really interesting um, map at the end as well, where people were supposed to write down um, about their mission, where they did their mission, and write their name on it and pin that in the map. And that was an interesting one because, of course, with COVID in the last couple of years, it turns out you can't do an overseas mission in the middle of a pandemic. And so New Zealand on this map is obliterated by pins because all the New Zealand missionaries ended up being sent to far-flung Wellington or Christchurch or maybe even Auckland from Hamilton on their two-year mission, which I think must have been pretty disappointing. The, the few missionaries I've talked to about it, they tried to hide their disappointment. I've come all the way from Hamilton to Wellington, but yeah, I think it was obvious that they were looking forward to somewhere a bit more interesting. Mm. Mm. And I think that's, and and I wonder if that, you know, for many of these, you know, rural places, that's a really big appeal, you know, to get the travel anywhere, you know, normally the travel, the opportunity to travel anywhere in the world, you know, you come from a little village in Samoa, Tonga, or, you know, you come from rural New Zealand and the chance to go to the U S to Russia, it's, and it's yeah. not I don't think it's on your dime even um, it's paper, you know, it's covered by the church or your stake or your ward. Um, yeah. It's real- so we, so we, we met the two missionary women um, outside the uh, in the museum and mm. uh, they had come all the way from Sydney to Hamilton. Yeah. So they were international uh, missionaries. <laughs> yeah, I guess they were just waiting. As soon as the borders opened, they were uh, sent over here. As soon as Australians could come to New Zealand, that was it. Suddenly, we've got this missionaries flying in both directions, I'm guessing. But, you know, they're both young women who are in the middle of their education. And I thought that was quite, you know, as someone who's very academically focused, that would be a little bit frustrating to me because I'd want to get my education out of the way, not deal with an interruption, not deal with the delay of starting off my adult life. it sounded like this is something that's imposed on them, right? That this is a calling that the elders decide when someone's going on their mission. Um, and so, yes, it seems... A bit unfortunate that God is choosing to send them in the middle of their education if it's God choosing. And it seems actually pretty horrible if it's actually the elders choosing and God doesn't exist. Uh, but I mean, to, from a positive perspective, at least at least they are uh, getting some tertiary education, which you yes. never know, may rub off on them. And, uh, well, and that, that's mean, a really no. good point. But the thing is, you have, you know, in the, you know, there's actually, I think, multiple um, LDS universities, like Brigham Young University is um, one such institution. And I, I think where they sort of specialize is that flexibility of uh, um, having students who are what you consider older than average, you know, they're late starters to their degree because they've gone on missions. Mm. 
But Although this, talking to those women, they did seem that they were just going to normal secular yeah. universities yeah. in in Sydney. I think so. And this seems like a, a contrast, at least in this part, to quite a similar religion in other respects, the Jehovah's Witnesses, where the Jehovah's Witnesses really try to dissuade all their members from going to university. They talk about how the world is going to end sometime soon. It's really not worth the effort. If anything, go and get yourself a vocation. Go and train to be a carpenter or a bricklayer or something like that. Much more practical and useful. And so it's really unfortunate that they, the Jehovah's Witnesses do try to keep people out of unis, whereas Mormons seem okay with it, which is, it's a small tick, but it is, it is a tick for this religion at least. But aren't Mormons also really big on tithing? You know, you know, it's that big 10%. So the more you can make, the more you can tithe to your church. <laughs> so invest in your education so you can make more money to create more tithing. And, or, you know, you can afford all, you know, your bigger families because it's also quite a. True. I mean, it, it, it sounds mercenary, but far from the only <laughs> church that does it. Arise Church, right, is famous for targeting university students with the knowledge that once they're out of university and in the workforce, given that they've been to university, they'll probably go into a job that earns a fair bit. And then they push heavily on the you must tithe. Um, and when you've when you've got people who are young coming to your church, no kids, they can afford to give a fair bit of money. So it seems like a little bit of investment in the right place can have big dividends. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sounds quite progressive, really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's intelligent, at least. Tex- texting people on what they can afford. <laughs> Anything more to say about our Mormon experience? Anybody mm. want to convert? Nope. <laughs> No, I don't think so. I mean, I've always had a soft spot for the Mormons. It's a weird religion. You know, the whole Joseph Smith thing for anybody that doesn't know, it's definitely worth reading the Wikipedia page. I think we've said before, watching the South Park episode. um, Yeah, I'm just constantly surprised that this new religion has pulled so many people in. But they do seem to be doing all right. I, I did wonder whether they saw this opportunity of opening to the public for the tour as a mechanism to actually draw new people into the church. Probably, um, but I think it's also something that they traditionally do whenever they open a temple. I think it's a way to sort of ingratiate yourself to the local community because, you know, you are taking up a lot of farmland um, in this case. You're using up a lot of property and it's just sort of a way to sort of say, hey, look, look inside. You can trust us. There's nothing strange going on here. You saw it with your own two eyes. Hmm. I mean, they did, and then they, they did, lock it. Yeah. And don't let well, anybody in. Until they have to do the next renos. Because, I mean, they did do this sort of public tour when they first opened, when they initially opened the place back in the late 1950s, I believe. Hmm. So this is just something that they, you know, the idea hmm. of a t- opening, you open the house and then you reconsecrate it and then shut. Yep. On the surface, at least, they do seem like nice people. And I think (laughs) I would probably trust them more than I would the Destiny Church types. Yes, but they are a high control religion. They do take over pretty much every part of people's lives, uh, tell them how to live their lives. And yeah, I mean, they they become people's everything. And um, yeah, there are parts of the Mormon church that aren't great. I enjoy bringing up the church's history with um with protesting and lobbying against gay rights um this is something that i think is not good that the church is very active in so yeah they're they're not really a force for good unfortunately and they do seem quite insular they do seem like it a lot of it's about looking after themselves you know just focusing inwardly 
um, on themselves and that large task they have of baptizing everybody. And then, of course, this is a polygamy. <laughs> yeah, kind of ish <laughs> in America, in some <laughs> back end of nowhere. Probably wouldn't fly here. I don't know. I mean, you know, as long as you don't tell the authorities, you can probably get away with it. But yes, the official church is very much a case of no polygamy is not okay. Um, But obviously breakaway groups have tried to go back to more kind of the original teachings of Joseph Smith and the actions of Joseph Smith more than that. Mm. Do we want to talk about what we did when we got back to Auckland? Yeah, I I think briefly we can talk about the rest of the weekend. Mm. So, um, yeah, we were late enough that obviously we didn't have time to go and do anything except for go straight to the pub for our Skeptics in the Pub evening on the Friday. And such Mm. a good turnout, Craig. Congratulations. I almost want to come back. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Almost. Almost. Well, that, no, that's definitely what happens. It, was, it was some really great conversations with people. Yeah, that, that's what happens when you leave it for several years between. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you created a meetups, demand. Yes, pent up demand. <laughs> awesome. So the plan is hopefully to keep it going once a month or so. Yeah, we are. We are actually actively uh, working on that, and uh, we have a have a a venue in mind that would be a little bit quieter than the um, the one we had in Ponsonby with the, with the awesome. loud music. But but it wasn't too bad. I mean, we had a we had a nice sort of little alcove with a table yep. in it. And um, yeah, there was some some good conversations. So. But yeah, we're, do, we're going to try and do that sort of once a month and um, hopefully we'll get a good venue. Cool. So that was it. We We had a few hours at the pub and then we headed back to your place. And I have to say, I was disappointed that you went straight to bed. Like, where's the skeptic partying until 3 a.m.? Doesn't happen in my place. <laughs> <laughs> we, the, the party was the next morning when we got to have our um, cacao breakfast ceremony. <laughs> yes, we should thank Bronwyn for that very loudly now. Thanks, Bronwyn. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad you enjoyed this experience. <laughs> no, none of us enjoyed the experience. Uh, you know, I came across it um, looking for snacks uh, for the road trip and, you know, stopped by Common Sense Organics for a bit of a laugh. And there was some so ceremonial cacao. Um, and God, it was God awful. And I even tried it since coming home and I've tried oh. it with sweetener. I've tried it with regular milk. Doesn't improve. <laughs> okay. So this, it kind of looks like a chocolate button, doesn't it? It's like a, you've got a nice round cardboard tub and inside is a plastic bag full of large, what look like chocolate buttons, but it's not chocolate. So mm-hmm. chocolate is cocoa, but this is cacao, right? Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of the paste that you have before you re-add the cocoa butter in the pro- you know, from that process, you know, before you add any sugars, this is what it is. Now you can also get it in big blocks, like big rectangular blocks as well which I think is the most common way to buy it. I think the drops are a little bit nuanced. But along along with this, the same company that makes it had written a set of instructions that we followed. Um, mm-hmm. And you were nice enough to make us each a large cup of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I got the smallest cup. Yeah. And actually, rather than us talking about it, are we just going to cut to some of the audio, Craig? You, you recorded yes, the audio? Did. We will, we will do that so the audience can have a, a laugh along at our expense at the uh, <laughs> god awful taste of the stuff. <laughs> and I must I must say that I'm partial to a chocolate button myself. But if I ever got one of those in my mouth, it would put me off them for life. I think. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, here comes the audio of our ceremony. 
So with both hands, lift your cacao up to the center of your chest and close your eyes. Set the clear intention of letting go of all other plans. So give yourself this time to be fully focused on what you're doing. So I think we'll just meditate for a minute. <laughs> Executive clear. choice there, Mark. I think this is a clear your mind thing, right? Mm-hmm. Susan, you have to tell us when a minute's up. <laughs> Roughly a minute, we can, it's not exact. Keep talking, it doesn't stop. <laughs> God, that's going to be a while. Hi. I'm worried about the neighbours wandering past and seeing them. <laughs> There's a weird religious ceremony going on in here. Okay. Oh, wait, there is. <laughs> Take a deep five second long breath in, hold it for five seconds, and then release it for five seconds. Five. Mindfully smell your cacao, breathing it in deeply. Think of the journey of your cacao to your cup, its origin, history, the farmers, the community, the love, the jungle, the environment it grows. I should start recording those YouTube videos for other people. Mark, you have a new career in ASMR? It doesn't do it for me, but I totally accept that it does it for others. You will do something for your bank account. <laughs> no, for that I'm getting into Findon. I'm a little Mark. It smells nice, sorry. <laughs> Let's go to the next step. Okay. Mindfully lower your cacao cup back to the centre of your chest and take a moment to be aware of all the different sensations you may feel. Is this like feeling the different parts of your body or something? Are you priming your body? Well, I'm still feeling the very hot cup in my hands. There's there's oat milk in front of you. You know what the solution is. <clears throat> What's enough of that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. State what you're grateful for. <laughs> Can we bypass this one? No. God no. <laughs> I am grateful for my life. It's a bit generic. <laughs> <laughs> Judgy. I'm grateful that there was a nice turnout at Skeptics in the Pub last night. <clears throat> I'm grateful we got through our road trip uh, in one piece without any unnecessary stops. And without strangling each other. Yeah, that's <laughs> impressive. You're only really halfway through that trip. No. I'm grateful I'm not a Mormon. <laughs> I'm grateful we realise this ceremony is bullshit. <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful my university education is not interrupted by a mission. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yes. a good one. Felt yeah. really sorry for her yesterday. <sighs> okay. Set an intention for the day. Now, I think this is just in our head for now, because later on... Yeah, because we, we don't want you judging us again. <laughs> oh, it says repeat it out loud. Does that mean we set it out loud? loud at the end, I think. Yeah, okay, yeah. so set your intention for the day. So you actually have to have one. Mm. Yeah, done. Everybody done? Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yay, we finally get there. Drink and savour your cacao and its flavours. All at once? No. That'll burn your throat. Just do it. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's very... Oh, that's, oh, awful. that's so disappointing. Oh. It looks so nice and creamy, but... Yeah, it smells good, it but It smells good, but it's is... very bitter. Wow. Oh. Ugh. <laughs> well. <laughs> I just took a little sip. This is how the hell am I going to get through this? 
And I and I strategically took the smallest cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's. It doesn't get better. But okay. as someone who does eat a lot of bitter chocolate, like we have the 95, 99% lint bars at home. Um, yeah. This isn't, this, this isn't is, too, this is what I would imagine they would feel, they would taste like in hot chocolate form. So it's not something I'm a bit more used to. Mm, yeah, this is very, very bitter chocolate. You put some sugar in it. You can put spices in it, I think. Like, that's okay. Like pumpkin put, spice. Whatever, whatever you can dream of, Mark. The world's your oyster. I dream of all sorts of weird shit. You're in the wrong, the wrong hemisphere for that time of year. Um, yeah, good point. Um, when stop well, actually, recording. the Burger Fuel is now having a pump, the pumpkin spice thick shake. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so it's getting here. I've never had pumpkin spice. We really should go and do no. that today. Is there a Starbucks in Palmy? No, I don't think there is. There's a Lush in Palmy. Oh, Starbucks. Oh, it is getting easier over time. Mm. Less of a shock to the system. I wonder if it tastes better with coconut milk, because that's sort of a little bit sweeter. Now, what's this one? Oat milk. Oat milk. You should just try adding well, milk milk to it. Mm. Or full fat, like the blue top milk. <clears throat> full fat milk. Let's mm. claim this is climate positive. We thought it went Whoa. with your... Uh, well, we were inspired by you, uh, Craig, and your, <laughs> your by CO2... Uh, <laughs> well, true. Your Telsa... I wonder, I wonder how this can be climate positive, though. I guess it's, you know, a step up from milking almonds. Yes, in comparison to the next thing. Hmm. It's taken CO2 and turned it into oats. Hmm. And it looks yeah. like it's helping, what they say, when you change to Otis, you're not just getting vegan-friendly vitamins, calcium for healthy bones, and naturally occurring fiber. You're also changing the planet. 1% of Otis's sales go towards helping kiwi farmers grow oats. Oak crops suck carbon from the air, pull nitrogen from the soil, and use hardly any water. Plus, they don't burp, fart, or urinate, which makes them kinder to the land and our waterways. They're talking about cows. Oh. Yes. Well, they may suck CO2 from the air, but as soon as they're harvested, it goes back, surely. And you don't want to, you don't want to upset big dairy in New Zealand by naming the cows. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Are you finished the ceremony? No, no, we, we <laughs> have to drink the you whole, drink the whole oh, cup. Yeah, we're well, still going. I'm my way through it, so no, it's not as bad after a, a few sips. I'm not saying I don't think that I would make this a breakfast of choice, but it's making my teeth feel furry. <sighs> well, you can clean them after this. Mm. Mm. Now we're just going to go buy a go to the gas station get a big block of like a family block of, you know, dairy milk or something. <laughs> to balance out the bitterness. Yeah. But it has a thickness to it. Oh, I got a chewy bit. Oh. I won't worry about it. It's fine. I tried my best. Otherwise it would get too hot for Craig. Yeah, well, it's cooled down enough. It's not so bad now. Mm. Done. Second. I didn't realize it was a race. <laughs> Always a race. <laughs> you win. Done. All right. Ugh. With a straight spine, sitting on your chair or cushion, 
Mindfully put down your cup of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, mindfully. I mindfully that I was in second place. <laughs> okay, comfortably place your hands on your knees. Close your eyes, repeat your intention out loud, and make a mental note to remember and act on it during your day. The positioning of our table is incompatible with me keeping a straight spine and putting my hands on my knees. Is that your intention for the day? <laughs> well, no, but... Oh. Who's going first? Oh, right. Well, this may sound trite, but my intention is to have an enjoyable day. It does sound trite. Again, it's, it's generic enough that it's boring. <laughs> Although mine was pretty close to that, so um, my intention is to have as an enjoyable a time driving down to Wellington as I did driving up to Auckland. Well, mine's incredibly nerdy. My intention is that we are going to beat that speed run on Sea of Thieves tonight. <laughs> I like it. Computer game based intentions are always the best. They are the most, they're the easiest ones to reach. Okay, next step take a deep breath in mm. and deep breath out. <laughs> We've got a critic in the room. <laughs> step 14 open your eyes and begin your day. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's over. Well done, guys. Been knocked over almost. Isn't that right, uh, Okay. Well. Reflections? Uh, still got a little weird taste in my mouth, but it's not quite as bad as, as it was when I took the first sip. I think there's an element of makes sense to this, right? I mean, having a cup of this... As Bronwyn says, for anybody that has no joy in their life because they're eating plant-based boringness, <laughs> this might be something exciting. Unless you're one of the cool vegans and you really are always searching out for the vegan version of your favorite junk food, that's a very different thing. But yeah, I mean, what is this? Seleno cacao. Oh, Seleno Health, which is doing this rescue cacao. You were familiar with it. Yeah, so I've, I've talked with the guy that runs the company at a... Um, What's the normal yearly thing we have in Wellington for craziness? Uh, the Green Expo? Yeah, the Go Green Expo. Mm. So I've talked to him at that. I've sat in on a presentation he gave. And I think I might have talked with his wife briefly, who's Peruvian. Mm. Right. It um, sounds like that was the influence in this. You've got plenty left. I know. Well, <laughs> I actually, I mean, it, you know what? I might actually make this at home. Mm. It's, it's bitter enough, you know. Maybe a bit of sugar, it'll I mean, it take, that bitterness is take this the first tip, but I'm used to... Yeah. Maybe are you, you still can... recording? Are you... Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so the other part of it that I think is <coughs> maybe useful is that whole thing about the intention and being grateful. I think there is some evidence that maybe doing this mm. can help people in their lives. Yeah. But um, I think what they often do is that they're, it's matched up with a bit of yoga afterwards. So, you know, you get a bit of, you get this sort of, sort of light energy hit and then you go off and do your yoga or you go do your ecstatic dancing mm. what's static dancing uh, i guess it's ecstatic just, dancing, it's, it's ecstatic dancing right. so it's just you know twirling around around okay yeah i well, don't have a yoga body but i think it's just in a way Oof. even during pan even during the pandemic you know just sitting down having a ritual by yourself in your home a little bit of a treat yourself sort of moment and that's why it all, that's why it all blew up if I was going to treat myself, this would not be my first choice. <laughs> <laughs> Regarding the, the efficacy of this, well, we have a control. <laughs> and when the person here in the room who didn't have the cacao... Well, so she did have a Coca-Cola, so I mean, I, I think if you tried to rearrange some of those letters, you would get cacao. 
I tried not to have any while you were doing your little ceremony so as not to spoil the air. <laughs> but no, I mean, you can, do, you can do, sort of do this with anything. Yes. You know, yeah, it's your cup of coffee. Yeah, you can do it with a cup of tea. Yeah, you can do it with your Coca-Cola well, or your root beer. You can do it with a puppy watching you. Isn't that right, Darwin? For an outsider's view, as I watched it, all I thought was, is what does it make you do? It makes you slow down, mm. take some deep breaths, which is all good, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. Means you're not having But the flip side of that is it means you've got to get up a quarter of an hour earlier in the morning, so I would not be doing this as a daily ritual. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and they don't give you, they say eight drops per day as a dietary supplement, which is a bit naff. Mm. In the serving suggestions, add hot water or warmed plant-based milk. You know, mm. but they don't tell you how much, with or without sweetener. So sweetener is okay, and blend uh, for extra creaminess. Oh, it would be interesting to try it with the sweetener. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but then you could just mix in some um, some milk chocolate drops. <laughs> Or, you know... That would be selling it, because then when you're imagining the workers and the jungle, now you're imagining you the are, factory you, see, and I mean, you know, here it is. being underpaid. Rescue cacao. What is rescue cacao? It's high vibrational, ethical, and sustainable cacao produced following ancient ceremonial traditions in Peru. It is shade grown under natural jungle canopy, promoting the Amazon environment in which it grows. Finally, it is rescuing farmers from the illegal drug trade through, through providing artisanal cacao growing as a living wage alternative. We select only the finest pot from each crop to produce the most premium quality organic heirloom cacao. Mm. Tested safe from heavy metals, crafted with love and pure attention. <laughs> so I don't know if uh, your, um, what was it, Nestle Cocoa Drops will, uh, will, will vibe well. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, negative yeah. vibrational energy. Yeah, it, it and what, what does one pay for this uh, canister? Of that, that was about 30 250 bucks. 250 grams of chocolate. Well, it's about, what, tw- it says 12.5 servings, so... Do that. Mm. You can do that quite a bit. Thirty dollars for two hundred and fifty grams of chocolate is mm. quite expensive, I guess. Yeah. But they had the big block there at Common Sense Organics, but no one was there to help me try to break up this little big block into small enough. Oh, like a massive slab that you yeah, just yeah, yeah. That's that's where I got that picture of the um, instructions. Ah. Well, it has a best before date of the twenty eighth of the sixth of twenty twenty four. So you've got plenty of time to use it. Yeah. Would you like me to leave you some drops no, and you can try it with a sweetener? Maybe no. before every podcast recording, we all need to connect together in this way. Set our intention for the recording. Well, I will say it has really, really done a number on these mugs. Yes, they would need a thorough clean. Mm-hmm. Right. What's our intention now? Go and visit Centerpoint? Well, we can if you like. I just don't think you'll get to actually see very much. That's all right. Seeing not much is better than having never seen anything. Okay. We can just try to make... It's open at 9.30, so I think we can say, hey, can we have a bit of a walk of your grounds? Interesting audio, isn't it, guys? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Reliving the taste in my mouth. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you um, know, before we bore everyone to sleep, you know, we, we did have, you know... a a journey back to Wellington to go to get through. Yeah. So the first thing we did was we jumped in Craig's Tesla with a cheesy number plate. It turns out. (laughs) Um, All right. Sorry. A personalized plate that says buy CO2. We will let our listeners decide whether it's cheesy or not. Um, And we went down to what's the place called now? Kofi Purapura. 
Oh, Kawai Purapura? Kawai. I keep on calling Kofi. Um, which used to be called Centerpoint in Auckland. So, you know, I think I think all three of us to an extent have a fascination with cults, possibly Bronwyn more than either of us, Craig. But it was really interesting to go and just go up the driveway, pull into the car park and see some of these buildings that, we, you know, we've known from documentaries and other stuff. Mm. Um, and interesting that it's now the Well Park College of Natural Therapies as well, which you wrote about in the newsletter, Craig. Yeah, very briefly. Um, yeah, just uh, it's one of those places where you can go to be uh, indoctrinated to become a naturopath. I think they're actually offering um, free study. That's mm. interesting. Um, it's, maybe it's I'll sign up. Of, is it part of the usual fees-free sort of arrangement? Yeah, it is. It is, uh, okay. yes. But to be accredited yeah, so, to do that is a bit, you know, you're using your first year of fees free on pseudoscience. Yeah, that, from looking at their website, they seem to be very much uh, oriented around come and learn to be a naturopath. It's a great way to uh, to run a business and get customers and clients and make a lot of money. <laughs> so to me, that seems quite cynical, really. Yeah. Um, so after that brief visit, and ne- none of us having the uh, intestinal fortitude, testicular fortitude, one or the other, to um, get out the car and actually go for a wander round, uh, Bronwyn and I got back in my trusty old car and started the journey back down from Auckland to Wellington. And our first stop, which actually is really accessible from a couple of motorways in Auckland, was Destiny Church, which I'd never seen their main church in Auckland. So it was great to visit that one. Mm. But funny because they actually had the COVID testing station right in front of us, right in the parking lot. (laughs) Yep, there they are being anti-vaccine. And at the same time, they're making money out of hosting a COVID testing station there. <laughs> now we couldn't go inside um, Destiny Church, um, but we did get to meander around the bathrooms and look at their outdoor baptis- bath- baptismal font. I felt it looked the whole thing looked a little bit run down as well. It did. I, I imagine it's not being used much at the moment. I'm not sure whether they're back to uh, in-person services or online, but I'm guessing even if they're back in person at this location, nobody wants to be baptized outside in the middle of winter. So I'm not surprised that they're, you know, ignoring the um, the baptismal place outside. What I love, though, because as you said, we, we went and used the toilets. They seemed to be open, even if the main building wasn't, so we could help ourselves. But I, I found that inside the men's lose, there was a quote from or ascribed to Apostle Brian Tamaki that said, your help is already inside you. You just haven't gone deep enough, which <laughs> inside a loop felt <laughs> a little bit odd. <laughs> We'll leave our listeners to ponder the ponder the hidden meanings <laughs> in that. But eventually, we hit, did hit the road, and we kept our eyes peeled for you know unusual signs. And by unusual, I mean anti-vax, voices for freedom, counterpoint, and anti-three waters. And surprisingly, we only saw them really on the outskirts of Auckland and around the Otaki area. Um, didn't you know they were pretty sparse? Otherwise. Uh, for the other six hours. Yeah. Rural New Zealand has not signed up anywhere near as much as Auckland and Wellington to the whole anti-vax conspiracy Mm. nonsense. But yeah, there was more that we saw 
than I was happy with, like quite a few anti-three waters, including a lot of national signs that are anti-three waters. Bronwyn said we had counterspin. They had a big billboard up. Um, New Zealand doctors speaking out with science, who are the anti-vax doctors, despite that name. They had a billboard up outside of Wellington somewhere. Um, I think we didn't see anything officially voices for freedom, did we, Bronwyn? No, but we saw people who were affiliated and just outside of Otaki, we came across the most confusing sign. I'll upload a picture from my camera and we'll put it in the show notes and we'll put it in Twitter and our listeners can figure out for themselves if, you know, which direction the sign poster is going. But it said, VAC for free, headstone is costly. I think it's a new I, white dress, blue dress conundrum. Like, I mean, it's is definitely this, a, a positive message for promoting think, vaccines. Who think? Or, or is it negative? Are they saying, oh, yeah, you can get the vax for free, but you're dead forever? Yeah, I, I really can't know. tell which one it is. A whole weekend of pondering it, and I still don't know. <laughs> you need to go back and scribble across it. What do you mean? <laughs> Clarification. Cite your sources. Um, so our last stop before we finally made it back to Wellington, which I'm even though we didn't get to go in at all, the gates were closed. I'm really happy that we visited Hyden Manor or is it a temple? Is the whole thing a temple? Bromley? Yeah, I, I think they're calling it a temple. So it's Hyden Temple. OK, so we, we got as far as the gates of Hyden Temple and. Honestly, those gates were everything I wanted them to be and more. There's like esoteric. <laughs> stuff all over the place the two gates have got these weird concentric shapes with dots in the corners um and up on both sides of the gate there are like uh, spheres made of metal with objects on top one of them's got a rose the other one's got a lightning bolt and it just all looks a little bit esoteric and i was very happy with that and that, but then you saw a sign down the down the way didn't you yeah. So looking through the gate, there was a sign that I really couldn't work out what it was for. Um, as soon as you go in, this little sign hanging on like a little wooden arm that says, you chose this. To me, that sounds ominous. It was like, oh, you chose to come here and now you are in trouble. Um, oh, that's responsible. You chose this. <laughs> But I don't know. I, maybe it's just like the name of a cottage that's on the grounds or something. But mm. it really did feel a little bit weird to me. Mm. And that was it. We made it back to Wellington in one piece, as, as we said at the beginning of this episode. It was a very skeptical road trip indeed. And when are we repeating it, Bronwyn? When don't we have a date for another road trip? Oh, God, I think we're debating whether we'll go to the one um, of the spirit festivals. Ah, uh, yes, we'll go that's to the one right. in Auckland. And, uh, you know, impede mm. on craig's personal space again or if sure. um, we'll go impede <laughs> mm. on the private space of our christchurch members and check out the one that's in orton bradley park um i think one's going to be in march and the other one's sort of uh february january ish so we're debating getting amongst it all well you'd be most welcome to stay here again as long as you, you don't think? bring that god-awful chocolate <laughs> <laughs> now be honest with me craig did it really stink up the house well, for a little while until we open the windows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this one may or may not happen. It's a bit of an outlay, isn't it? Even like a one day ticket to this spirit festival is like a hundred bucks. 
And that's a large ask. I mean, it's going to be a lot of weird in one place. So I am very tempted. But I think the last time I paid anything like that for something like this was a full day of David Icke, like 10 hours of David Icke speaking. So maybe if this is as good as 10 hours of David Icke, I might be convinced. Well, maybe the Skeptic Society could sponsor you. If enough of our listeners and enough of our members give us the thumbs up, maybe, maybe we could do this and uh, and use some of the membership money to go and report on everything that we find. And it, honestly, if I find somewhere that's doing um, ayahuasca, I will take it um, and I will wear a nappy just in case. <laughs> but I guess maybe we need to sing for our stupper before we ask anyone to... Uh hand us over some cash. And I think maybe now is a good little segue to talk about our upcoming events before we uh, close out the uh, hour plus time that we've been chatting. <laughs> sure. Yes, indeed. All righty. So first up this Friday in Wellington, uh, 6 p.m. And inside the um, lounge at the Intercontinental Hotel, it's our usual skeptics in the pub for Wellington. Um it's been really great to see people who've been fans of the podcast show up. And, you know, it's been also really awesome to hear some of the interesting things that you guys are doing in your life. Um, in fact, fans of- is a strong word. Can we, can we just call them listeners? <laughs> oh, okay, fine. You know, <laughs> sure, sure. Let's diminish, let's diminish people. Let's yuck their yum. Oh, just the idea that we're their yum. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's been it's been fantastic to have people come in and, you know, say that they've listened and, or that they read the newsletter. So, you know, yeah, just absolutely. keep on coming. Keep on coming. Um, and then next Thursday, unless um, plans have changed, it's the science based healthcare activism in the pub at the Fork and Brewer in Wellington. So that's um, Thursday, September 29th at 6.30 p.m. Um, Mark, do you want to remind the listeners what you guys do? We complain. Like we're just like old men. We just complain to advertising standards, commerce commission, anybody we can think of. Um, other other little projects we do as well, but a lot of it is submitting complaints and a free beer on your first complaint. So please come along and claim your free beer after complaining about color therapy or somebody telling you that asparagus is going to treat your cancer or whatever you can find online. <laughs> complain and get a beer. And then finally, we know that um, a few people were a little bit disappointed that uh, skeptics in cyberspace didn't occur as planned. Um, Mayo culpa, that was due to our sort of organizing um, this weekend and our trip to Auckland. But hey, it's back on board next Friday, September 30th, again at 6 p.m. Um, we're trying to sort out the link issue with Facebook, but um, we'll try to make the, um, the Zoom link a little bit more prominent so no one misses out. And that's it Good. for notices. And of course, we've got the conference coming up in oh, yeah. Crap. just <laughs> over two months. Yes, I still need to build the website for that. I will be doing that before the end of this week, mm-hmm. and then we can take your money. But we, but do we have a couple of confirmed speakers that we can maybe can share with the audience, or do we want to leave them on tenterhooks till the website comes up? No, no, feel free to say. Um, we. Um, it's been awesome. We got um, Judy Melanick and her partner, TJ, who will be joining us again this year. Um, and their their talk about forensic pathology was one of our more popular talks with last year, last year's conference. So they are now going to sort of shake things up um, and this time in person. So absolutely. Uh, when this website gets up, um, get in um, for those tickets. 
Uh, yeah, their talk last year, the highlight of my entire weekend of conference. Really, mm. really professional, really funny and enjoyable. Lots to learn. Yep, it was very, very good. You have been listening to the ENR podcast. We uh, hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you all next time. Bye. Au revoir. Bye. Bye.